Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism, and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer, and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of Black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and Black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and The Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic. I am not feeling good at all, but I'm committed to putting these podcast episodes out. I meant to record this yesterday and it just didn't happen. So, um, so yeah, I'm like, I'm not like a 10 on the pain scale, right? I'm, I'm big with scale. So on a scale of one to 10, for those of y'all listening who know me personally, you know, I'm a big on a scale of one to 10 person. Uh, 10 being the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life. I'm like mm, between a three, I'm like a three or four. Um, not feeling good. Um, I'm worried, you know, because this week is actually a wildly busy week for me. Um, probably one of the busier weeks in my whole year. Um, there's like every single day there's stuff planned. And so since the pandemic, I don't go into, so I live in the New York City metropolitan area, and since the pandemic, I don't go into Manhattan a lot, right? I don't live in Manhattan, and so I don't go into Manhattan a lot. I just, a lot of things I can do remotely or virtually now, and this week, literally, I will be in Manhattan every single day this week, and then... um and then actually I'll be in Long Island one of the days and then New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey, you know, shout out to all any of the listeners from New Jersey. I mean no harm by saying this, but I feel like New Jersey's the bane of my existence because New Jersey and that Newark airport is just feels like so far away from me. So I say all that to say I have a really busy week and I need to keep myself well. So I have made myself an amazing smoothie. Um, Normally, I I make a smoothie every day, and my sister came to visit me, and she was saying how I should have more veggies in my smoothie. So I actually added kale and spinach. I'm usually a fruit smoothie gal. I started adding beets recently, um, but I have like pineapple, banana, strawberry, blueberry. So it's like kind of high in natural sugars, but I added um, spinach and kale to my smoothie and I have a super green that I use and so I think that made me feel better I also have um what do you call them I do hot yoga 
And sometimes I feel a little bit lightheaded because I'm slightly anemic. I'm just telling y'all all my business, but <laughs> um, I'm slightly anemic. So when I do hot yoga and I haven't had enough iron, like I'm, I'm not a big meat eater, but I try to force myself because I know my body processes iron. So hemi iron is iron that is from meat sources versus plant-based sources. And your, our bodies actually absorb iron better when they come from animal sources. So as much as I would love to be a vegetarian, because I'm not a big meat eater at all, I just love my eggs, I need, I know my body thrives off of animal sources, right, of meat. So I get this um, liquid IVs that I started using when I would go to this hot yoga studio. Sometimes I would feel like lightheaded and they had liquid IVs, so I bought them. So I just drank some right now. It has vitamin C and all this stuff for your immune system. I took my zinc. I have a multivitamin that I've been taking for like half of my life. So I, I took, I doubled that, I have zinc. Um, what else? Ooh, you know, now that I'm talking to y'all, I realize I also have echinacea. So I'm going to, it's disgusting. It's like liquid echinacea pure um but i'm gonna put that in water if you're ever feeling sick or like you have a cold that's a great thing to use so i have that um and i just made myself some throat coat tea which i feel like i've mentioned on the podcast before but i feel like better right now right and i'm drinking water i normally drink a gallon of water a day so when i have a a regular day i drink a gallon sometimes if i have like i'm doing a lot of driving I don't get the full gallon, but I'm like ODing right now. The only thing I'm doing that I shouldn't is coffee because I love my coffee, but because coffee is dehydrating. So if you're not feeling good or if you have an upset stomach or whatever, coffee's not ideal. But so I just wanted to give you all the rundown. That's I'm a little low energy right now, but since drinking the liquid IV, I feel a tiny little bit better. I have a meeting, a really important meeting in about an hour and I'm really excited because it's like um y'all know I um I don't speak on things before they've come to fruition but I'll just give you a little uh, bit of an idea it's like a meeting to hear back from somebody about a project that I'm working on and I'm really hoping that the feedback is positive and I'll get the green light to move forward and I'm going to manifest that right now um, so that when I reference this in a few months, I'll be able to tell y'all once everything is like signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> um, that song actually played at our wedding, signed, sealed, and delivered. Um, once everything is signed, sealed, and delivered, I'll be able to share more. But I have a really important meeting in an hour, and I figured, ooh, I have some time right now. Um, I also have... Um, I have to film something. I'll tell y'all about that more. I have to film something and I'm not feeling like getting on camera. I don't have to actually. I could just post a reel with the flyer. But I feel like people engage with content better when it's a video of you. So I might have to muster up the energy to do that as well. But I say all that to say that whole ramble was to say I'm a little low energy, but I did want to get up here. I feel I feel better from earlier, but I wanted to get up here and record a, a quick podcast for y'all 
um, based on some things I've been thinking about this week. So before we jump into the episode, I just want to remind y'all that if you have any diversity, equity, and inclusion-related questions, you can email them to the email in the show notes. So I have a new email address, which is askdrjnice at gmail.com. It's also in the show notes, askdrjnice. Any questions related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, you can send those along. And I did get my first question, so I will share that question in a second, but I also wanted to give a shout out. This morning, I received a notification that there was an additional review. I've done a really bad job with like um, shouting out people that review the show. I'm really grateful for all of y'all who leave a, um, all of y'all, <laughs> all of y'all who leave a review. I actually haven't spent time reading through all of the comments. And I see right here that somebody said, wonderful information, love everything you shared and appreciate the intellect and personality. One minor request, please try to minimize the tangents. It can sometimes be challenging to follow. (laughs) After I just went into a whole tangent. That's cool though. I was listening to, I'll try. But I feel like I like to give a little of my personality for y'all and not just like a monotone, like this is what it is. Because I feel like y'all can get that from my articles. But hopefully some of y'all like my little banter, but I'll try to keep that to a minimum. Um, I need to do a better job of reading the the reviews of the podcast. But thank you to DB1908 who left that comment um, earlier this year from February. And I'm just like seeing it now. Um, But I I appreciate that. And I'm going to do a better job with reading that. So I was about to go into a tangent, but let me bring myself back. I just wanted to shout out Coco Nil Lucy, who left a review a couple days ago. And the review says, don't let this podcast pass you by. It's so great. Just give one episode a listen, especially if you are already following Janice on social media or through the Dirty Diversity website slash newsletters, and you'll see that it's worth your time, especially if you're in a corporate environment or HR, and honestly, you'll set yourself up to be a better member of global society if you take these points and apply them to your social and family life. Basically, to say this is a great piece of work that fits into Janice's other resources and a quick and thoughtful listen each week, that means a lot to me. Um, I will definitely keep that keep that feedback in mind and also try not to go off into tangents too much. Um, but I really appreciate that feedback. So let's get back to the question that was emailed to me. So if you have a question related to DEI, you wanted to email me, please be sure to uh, send an email to ask drjnice at gmail.com. So somebody emailed and said, hey, Dr. J, I've been loving your podcast lately. So thanks to you for putting your voice out into the world. Responding to your requests for questions, what is the difference between an EDI committee and an employee resource group? So that was the question. Just to elaborate, EDI is equity, diversity, and inclusion. Sometimes um, it's called EDI. Sometimes it's called DEI. Sometimes it's called JEDI, but it's equity, diversity, and inclusion. So basically like a diversity committee. So this is a really great question. I would say an EDI committee, I don't think that there's one specific 
definition. It depends on the company, right? So at my former university, we had a president's council of DEI, right? And there were specific objectives for that group, but outside of academia or maybe in a, a, you know, a different industry or company or a different university, there may be an EDI committee that has different goals, right? So an EDI committee is a committee or a council or a group of people within the organization who are working toward a particular set of diversity, equity, and inclusion objectives and goals that the workplace has. An employee resource group, on the other hand, is a group of people who belong to a marginalized identity, right? Employee resource groups, I personally don't think they should be doing um, the bulk of the DEI work because a lot of employee resource group members aren't paid. So your company might have an employee resource group for black employees, and the purpose of the group is a safe space for black employees. So sometimes employee resource groups facilitate um, or host events, right? If there's a budget, you might host an event. Sometimes I've seen employee resource groups partner with other employee resource groups. So I was a speaker a couple of years pre-pandemic, I was a speaker for PayPal and Venmo, um, which is like, I think one bought the other. They're the same company, essentially, but they had a black employee resource group and their Hispanic and Latine employee resource group, and they merged for an event where they brought in speakers, right? And so your employee resource group often has different goals and objectives as your DEI committee. And so sometimes the goals and objectives are similar, but the bulk of your DEI or EDI or JEDI work should not fall on marginalized employees only, right? It is nice if if uh, marginalized employees, because employee resource groups are just groups of marginalized employees, right? It could be employees with disabilities, employees with um, d- who deal with mental health um, issues. It could be millennial employees it could be black employees it could be indigenous employees right it's typically a group of marginalized employees that have the same marginalized identity right they should not be doing the bulk of the equity work in your organization because again a lot of times members of these committees of employee resource groups rather are not being paid so they should not be doing work for free unless somebody wants to but um, you have to figure out when you're creating both the DEI committee and the employee resource group what the objectives of this group are going to be if you want to ensure the success. What I see when I work with c- clients is that sometimes there aren't clear enough objectives as far as what do you want to do with this employee resource resource group. Excuse me, y'all. Why are we starting this resource group? And I think when there aren't clear objectives, uh, the group is destined for failure. For some of my clients, their employee resource groups were started post George Floyd, right after George Floyd. And now they're kind of struggling to, um, to, to figure out what direction they want to go in, right? So, oh, I'm struggling. I'm gonna sip some tea right now. But so when you think about what the difference is between the committee, the DEI committee and the employee resource group, 
Oftentimes, not always, employee resource groups are a safe space for marginalized employees from a particular group. The EDI committee is not a safe space, it could be, but it's usually people across the organization that have a vested interest in equity work or who have power within the organization. So I would make sure at, if you're starting a DEI committee or an employee resource group or both, I would in, encourage you to create, I know people like SMART goals um, where your goals are specific and measurable and tangible or um, time bound, excuse me, relevant and um, relatable and what is the A? I'm missing the A, but a lot of people do SMART goal setting. I'm a huge fan of objectives and key results. Objectives are the goals. Key results are the specific metrics that are being utilized to measure the goals. So um, you have to, uh, when you're starting these groups, figure out what is our goal and how are we measuring this goal? If your employee resource group is being started to give employees a sense of inclusion, what is the specific metric that you are utilizing to measure inclusion, right? So you really want to think about um, you really want to think about how you're measuring your specific goals. Um, but resource groups are typically safe spaces for marginalized employees. EDI committees have um, different goals, right? There's often very specific goals that are related to the overall organization. So I hope that that was helpful. If it's not, or you want further clarification, please feel free to reply to your um, initial email or send another um, email with if you want further clarification. Um, so thank you for sending that question. Um, and again, if y'all have any DEI related questions that you want answered on the podcast, um, send me an email at askdrjnice at gmail.com. So um, recently I wrote an article and the article was about DEI training, right? Um, because I've been thinking a lot about DEI training and how I think that this type of training has gotten a bad rap and we vilify diversity trainings as being ineffective. There's a lot of research that has come out from Harvard Business Review and just tons of people saying, you know, and I agree, I'm not a fan of unconscious bias trainings, but a lot of folks are like, DEI training is trash. It doesn't work, this and that. And I really want y'all, I invite y'all to read the article that I wrote, but I think we need to rethink our purpose for um, implementing DEI training. I think that a large part of the reason why people have said that this type of training doesn't work is because the goal for a lot of companies with this type of training has been a very lofty goal. We think that this training will change the behavior of white people. That's essentially what why most people, most organizations and institutions implement these types of trainings is because it's like we want to um, we want to make white people change their behavior. But I think that like we don't think about how the presence of 
this type of training or how these types of ongoing trainings can make employees from marginalized communities feel. Me personally, I would love to see that the organization or institution that I'm part of is implementing some sort of awareness or equity training because that lets me know as a black woman employee that this company is trying to take the necessary steps to do better. I've been part of, I've never been part of a workplace that actually, it's so ironic because I do this work for a living, but I've never been affiliated with an organization or institution that actually implemented a DEI training, right? Some of you may know that I worked in banking for a number of years when I was in college. And then after I got my bachelor's, and then even through grad school, I was working in banking. We never had any DEI training, right? We might have had sexual harassment training. I don't really remember. I don't think we did. Um, And then when I started teaching in academia, there is like no DEI training. And I've I've been teaching in academia for seven years, right? More than seven years. No DEI training. Um, I think that maybe my perception of the universities I've worked in would it be different if they actually implemented training from the beginning, right? I don't, yes, I wanna see that they're actually not performative, right? But if the uh, workplace that I'm part of is investing money in bringing someone in, particularly someone from a marginalized community, right? Y'all know my thoughts on white racial equity, anti-racism, DEI trainers. I just, y'all know I have mixed feelings about that. But if you're investing in somebody from a marginalized community to lead your, right, lead your, um, your trainings as a black woman employee, that makes me feel safer in that environment. So in the article that I wrote, I was basically saying that we've been thinking about DEI training in the wrong way. We say that it's a failure because it's not changing the behavior of white people, but what if it's actually doing, what if there are other positive outcomes that we're not really thinking about, which I do think that is the case. I do think there are other positive outcomes like making marginalized employees, especially those from racially marginalized communities, feel safer, right? Um, And so I wanted to see how people felt about mandatory diversity trainings because, again, tons of the research from Harvard Business Review and all these reputable places say that you should not implement mandatory DEI training. And I think I was along the same lines where I was like, yeah, the research says you shouldn't. But a lot when you peel back the layers, a lot of the research says you shouldn't because of this idea that it will call, cause resistance and backlash for white employees. But a lot of these studies don't look at black employees or other employees from racially marginalized backgrounds. All of our research is centered around white people and whiteness, and it's so important that we're decentering whiteness when we're looking at DEI interventions, right? So we're like, oh, this isn't effective. Why? Because it's not changing white people. But if it's making marginalized employees feel safer, wouldn't you say that this is a successful intervention, right? So I've just, I explored that more in this article, but I do think that we have to really rethink 
our perceptions and our conception about DEI training because I, I feel like this type of training has wrong has been wrongfully vilified. A lot of even my fellow DEI consultants, a lot of them I know that don't do trainings. They're like, oh, that doesn't work. Oh, that's ineffective. And I'm like, it is all DEI training, so y'all won't y'all won't even understand the amount of like positive feedback that I get from employees in the companies that I work in or with that say thank you so much for that workshop or that workshop series. I really enjoyed it. Obviously, I mean, it, they enjoyed it, right? So like, I think that we're we're thinking about it in the wrong way and we have to really like think about it from a different perspective because I believe, I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, there's a lot of importance in centering the employees that experience the most harm in the workplace, in our work, right? When we're creating an equity intervention and something that is designed to create more equity, are we prioritizing the most vulnerable and the most harmed and those who experience the most severe forms of harm? And if they are satisfied with the intervention, then the intervention is successful or the intervention is has a positive outcome. But because white people don't want DEI training or there's pushback from white people, I think that we're labeling, we're falsely labeling or typecasting and generalizing all DEI training as ineffective. Really think about it, right? In your current workplace, A, do you have, do you sit in DEI workshops? B, how do those workshops make you feel? And C, why, right? I don't have, I never had any DEI workshops in the universities that I worked at. But I think that if there were these types of workshops, especially those facilitated by like someone from a racially marginalized background, that would make me feel safer, right? Um, that would make me feel better, especially if they were paying somebody to do this, right? Not getting an employee to facilitate these conversations, with the, which a lot of universities do, and a lot of workplaces just try to get someone internally and make them do multiple things, like, right, do their job, and then also facilitate these conversations. But investing, right, in somebody outside or external who's unbiased, who's not aware of the political structure and the power dynamics within the organization, bringing them in to facilitate these really important conversations is so vital, right? So I wanted to just share my thoughts on that in this episode. But if you want to read more, I have provided a link to the article in the show notes. Um, I'm actually working on another article I don't know if it's going to get done today, though, the way that I'm feeling, but hopefully this tea will help me a little bit. Um, but I'm working on an article about remote work, and I saw something on LinkedIn yesterday, and it was just wild. So I was like, you know what? I need to um, I need to unpack this in more detail about the bias against remote workers, but maybe I'll saw it. But also, lastly... Um, before I hop off, I just want to share that I am this week, um, today is Monday. So this week on October 13th, which is Thursday, I am partnering with Indeed to 
interview uh, a bunch of business leaders for the Indeed Future Works Conference, which is taking place in New York City. So if you're in the New York City area and you're interested in attending in person, there are still opportunities to get your tickets live, um, to go to the live conference on Thursday, um, October 13th. But if you, A, don't want to pay money, or you know, or B, you're not in the New York City area, you can attend the conference virtually for free 99, right? Um, and there's gonna be a lot of leaders from Indeed that are gonna be there, a bunch of executives, the CEO of Indeed will be there and I'll be interviewing. Um, the CEO, Ryan Reynolds will be there. Um, I know a lot of y'all like him and I'm not a movie buff, but I know he's been in so many different things, superhero movies. So Ryan Reynolds, Issa Rae, my favorite. So um, Lena Waithe, I think will also be there. So there will be tons of business leaders. So if you're a an HR leader, you're in talent development or talent acquisition, you're a manager or you're in a DEI leader, you definitely want to uh, tap into the conference. There's a link in the show notes. So I'll, I'll put it as a second link after the article link, um, the Forbes article link, you'll see a link to attend the conference. Um, the registration closes tomorrow, October 11th. Um, so if you're listening to this, uh, be sure to grab your tickets to the virtual conference or grab your tickets to the in-person event, which is taking place this week, October 10th, 2022. So um, I will wrap the podcast up right there. I feel a little bit better. I was struggling at one point, um, but this tea I feel like is helping and all this stuff I've been feeding myself. But I love y'all um, and I will check y'all out in the next episode.